until recently that peace of Christmas also meant a once-a-year ceasefire for the people of Northern Ireland. Hi, I'm Rick Steves, and Merry Christmas! Today on Travel with Rick Steves, we conclude our series of how holiday traditions endure through changing times for our friends in Europe. Up ahead, it's Christmas in the north of Ireland, in the heart of Italy, and in Greece, where it sure ain't Santa Claus who's trying to come down the chimney. It's one big celebration of the 12 days of Christmas and maybe even more. Of course, the simple pleasures of what's on the table as the family gathers together makes Christmas special throughout the world. Panettone, pandoro, torrone, pampepato, cantuccini. While elsewhere, memories of the Christmas feast might be a little more austere. Uh, I remember it's just one big, huge turkey sitting there with decorated with Brussels sprouts. Celebrate the holidays with us. It's Travel with Rick Steves. December 25th is only day number one of the 12 days of Christmas. And as we'll find out in a moment, the Greeks have some truly unique ways to celebrate. Hi, I'm Rick Steves. Today on Travel with Rick Steves, more of our friends from Europe are here to remind us of the many ways their traditions make the season special. In the hour ahead, we'll look for some common threads and discover some unfamiliar and intriguing customs that make the holidays particularly festive for our European friends. And if you're ready to make plans for New Year's Eve, later this hour, we'll get inspired to bring in the New Year with some traditions from Sweden, Iberia, Great Britain, and even Croatia. And Christmas is celebrated with a little special twist in Greece. And I'm joined today by Anastasia Gaitanu from Thessaloniki to talk a little bit about how her family and her culture celebrates Christmas. Anastasia, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Now, when you think about a Greek Christmas celebration, how is that distinct from uh, an American Christmas celebration, as far as you know? Well, Christmas, of course, is a very important celebration in Greece, although, to be completely honest, we're Orthodox Christians, and for us, the most important celebration of the year is Easter. But Christmas definitely is important, and we have a way of looking at it. Uh, First of all, it is um, a time of rejoicing and being very glad, of course, for the incarnation of Christ, the baby was born. But if you listen to the hymns of the church, for example, and you compare them with the ones of Good Friday, you'll see that they're very similar. Because we're looking at the incarnation of Christ as an opportunity to the crucifixion, to the resurrection, and of course to salvation of mankind. Wow, so the big deal from a Christian point of view is not the birth of Christ, but his death to get salvation for us and exactly. so Exactly. Even at Christmas time, because the Greek Orthodox religion is more focused on the whole idea of Easter, yes. Jesus dying for our sins, yes. you're thinking about the crucifixion even at Christmas. Even at Christmas. And Everything the, is focused on the crucifixion, because if the crucifixion does not happen, then nothing happens. I mean, the birth is not enough. It's very important. It's the beginning, but it's not enough. You've got some songs that date back to, well, carols that date back to Byzantine times then? That is true, but the carols, again, is a different thing because uh, what I was talking about were the hymns that are sung in the church during the Mass. But, of course, people are celebrating as well. So what we do usually is the day before Christmas and Christmas Eve, then small children would go from door to door and they will sing those Christmas carols. They have to do with, uh, for example, the birth of Christ, of course, but also with a lot of wishes then for good health and a good life for the owner of the house and things like that. And, of course, they get some small treats then from the owners of the houses. Uh, in earlier years, there used to be candies or we have um, a kind of, let's say, biscuit with iced sugar on it. We call it curambies. It's an almond uh, sweet. Very good. Try it if you come. Or we have melomacarona, which is um, sweet again with almonds in syrup. And they used to get things like that. Nowadays, of course, they prefer money, to be completely honest. <laughs> so the kids, we have the same thing, caroling, where families and groups get together and they go to house to house in the neighborhood mm-hmm. singing. 
Yeah, we'll do this the same thing. This actually happens. Yeah, yeah, the same thing. And people will give cookies or money. Yeah. Well, nowadays they will just give money. I don't think they give just money. cookies. Of course, unless they go to a shop. Then, because, you know, the shops there, they, they have so many coming then for the Christmas carols, they can't afford to give them all money. So usually you get a candy or a cookie or something like that. But differently, yes, it's money. Don't think of a big amount or something. No. You would get maybe one, two euros, but for a small child, that's a lot. <laughs> one important thing about uh, the Christmas in Greece is that we don't look at those days separately. It's not Christmas and then it's uh, New Year's Eve and then it's Epiphany, but it's one big celebration of the 12 days of Christmas and maybe even more. Now you have these uh, little characters, Kalikant. Kalikanzari. Kalikanzari, that's right. So it starts with Christmas, and on the day of Christmas, on the birth of Christ, these little goblins, that's what they are, these Kalikanzari, but you know, they're mischievous little creatures, quite ugly. Um, In some areas, they depict them with hooves, in some areas, well, with big boots and things. They're not really, they're harmless, right? They they try to tease people, and we have this tradition saying that they're coming down from the chimney. That's why in older times, when every house had a fireplace, they would have 12 days long, 24 hours a day, and a huge fire burning there. But that, of course, had to do with other things as well, the climate. It's it's the very cold time period of the year, so you need the fire there because during the holidays you're spending more time at home. But anyway, uh, they would have that fire to prevent those goblins from coming down the chimney. Or sometimes they would put cheese or a bit of meat then at the threshold outside the, um, the house so to um, keep them out of the house. And also, according to that tradition, they try to destroy the so-called um, tree of life. And they have 12 days to do that. The goblins. As the 12 days of yeah. Christmas. So uh, during those 12 days... So that adds a little days, uh, attention to the whole yeah, Christmas it celebration. Does, it does, but they never manage that, you know. <laughs> so they try and they have this big saw and they're trying to saw it down. And, uh, of course, the priests then during the masses and the liturgies then uh, act also against everything that's evil and the goblins, of course, as well. Although uh, the official church does not accept goblins, yes, definitely. <laughs> but um, anyway, then we have uh, New Year's Eve. And on the New Year's Eve, we have again those carols that have to do with the uh, uh, New Year coming. And of course, again, we wish um, happiness and good luck. And some of the people would smash then a pomegranate then at the threshold of the house because of this, all those small um, seats in it that should bring luck for the whole year, and some people still do that. And then it's Epiphany, that's the 6th of uh, January. Epiphany means um, the appearance of God, that's what it means. It is the day on which we believe that Christ was baptized, and God appeared, we heard his voice, we saw that lightning there at the sky. So the whole Trinity was present, that's why it's an Epiphany, because as a dove, the um, Holy Ghost also appeared. And this is the time of the blessing of the waters. So the priest will go, again, of course, we have the carols. And then the priest will go to the water, usually the sea, since this is Greece. (laughs) And he will throw um, a cross into the water. And the most brave will swim then or dive uh, to find it. Uh, Of course, nowadays, sometimes because the water is not that clean or because uh, the priest is afraid that nobody will find the cross, the cross is attached to uh, a chain or something so that they can find it again. But the one who finds the cross is the one who has the blessing then for all the year that is coming. And that is the so-called blessing of the waters. And on that day, that is the, the end of the 12 days of Christmas, through this blessing of the waters, the goblins are driven away. Oh, that's the end of these... Kalikanzari. Kalikanzari. That's Thank a difficult you. word, I know. Now, apart from all this theology, which is interesting yeah. to the adults and a lesson for the children, as a little girl, what do you remember? What is one of your favorite memories about Christmas in Oh, the carols, definitely. The carols? I remember, yeah, I remember the carols very well because uh, I used to go with some friends of mine, then from, from, from door, door to, to door. From door to door and get cookies. And get cookies and get some money, and then I could spend it as I wanted. And I remember, well, the Greek tradition does not have a Christmas tree. It has a Christmas boat. Um, The reason is that uh, Greece is a very small country. 80% of the country, of the surface of the country, are mountains, and we do not have that many um, natural resources, which means that if you want to make money in Greece, you have to be either in the trading business or the shipping business. And if you think of all the famous Greeks, I would just say a name, Onassis. That's what they did, because there's nothing else to do. So uh, usually most of the Greeks would be working on a ship, 
and uh, the sea was uh, has played always a very important role in our everyday life. So we did not have a tree; we had a boat. And you decorate mm. this for Christmas. Yeah, we decorate whole... that for Christmas. Of course, nowadays we have the Western traditions as well. I mean, at home we always had a Christmas tree, and mm-hmm. we always have a Christmas tree. But I remember the, the gathering of the families because that's a, a family celebration. I'm speaking with Anastasia Gaitanu from Thessaloniki in Greece. And Anastasia, uh, what is your favorite Christmas food? I think vasilopita. That is. Um, a kind of uh, sweet round cake that we always have on New Year's Eve. That has to do also with the tradition of Santa Claus, who for us Greeks is not Santa Claus, but is Saint Basilius. And the tradition says that he, he existed. He was a, a bishop then in Asia Minor, and the tradition says that at one point there was a high taxation because they wanted to build a new wall. And uh, the people did not have that kind of money, so they all went and gave the jewelry up to be used then for the wall. Then at the end, uh, the wall was paid by the Roman Empire, and the Saint Basilius had to give the jewelry back, but he didn't know what belonged to whom. So he had this huge cake made, and he put all the jewelry in it. And he cut it into pieces and gave it to the people. And by a miracle, of course conducted by God, everybody got the piece in which his own jewelry was in. So even to this day you have a special cake and it has little goodies in it for people? uh, No, it does not have little goodies. It has one coin, just Ah. one coin. And then after New Year's Eve, when the clock strikes midnight, then after that the family gathers and all around that cake, it's quite big and it has a cross on it and, you know, most probably the the New Year in 2011 or whatever. Then they cut it into pieces. The first piece is of Jesus, um, then maybe of God, of Mother Mary, and then the next piece goes to your work to your house, and then every part of the family, the member of the family. Do this again now. You've got a hierarchy of who gets the slices. First First is Jesus. Is Jesus. Then? Mother Mary. Mother Mary. St. Basilius, sometimes that varies. Jesus, Mary, St. Basilius. St. Basilius, and then is your work. Your work. Your house, then. And then every member of the family gets one. Of course, we, for example, in our family, were only three. I'm an only child. So we had a lot of pieces, and more people got one. You know, God got one, the Holy Ghost got one, and... Well, whenever. If you have more children, then you have less others. And the heavenly host uh, doesn't get the calories. <laughs> and uh, the one who gets the coin, he's the one who gets the blessing and the good luck for all the year to come. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it's very important to get that coin. Anastasia Gaetano, thanks for taking us to Greece for Christmas. And we've got a lot of people getting into the holiday spirit here. Could you, in your language, Greek, wish our listeners here in the United States a happy holiday, Christmas, or whatever you would oh, say? Of course. We would say then... Kala Christuyana, which means Merry Christmas, and also Chronia Pola, that means uh, literally uh, translated many years, which means have many and good years. Kala Christuyana ke Chronia Pola. And I could say Ephedestol. Parakalo. Thank you very much. Up next, friends from Ulster and Umbria, that's Northern Ireland and Central Italy, fill us in on how they're celebrating Christmas. And We'll get ready for the new year in a bit, as European friends from Scandinavia to Spain and from Portugal all the way to Croatia explain what lies ahead as the holiday season continues well beyond December 25th. Share with us some of the unique ways you may have adapted these old-world traditions and spiced them in to your own holiday observances. By the way, we have a message board where you can keep the conversation going. It's in the radio section of our website at ricksteves.com.
We're celebrating Christmas European style today on Travel with Rick Steves. Many of us here in the U.S. are far enough removed from our old world roots that we've lost touch entirely with the customs of our great-great-grandparents. Maybe these visits with our European friends will inspire us to try something new in our own holiday traditions. And I think, what, 10 or 20 percent of uh, the people in the United States have Irish heritage, and many of them are celebrating uh, Christmas with a, a little bit of their Irish past involved in their Christmas celebrations, and they may not even know it. Let's talk about Christmas in Ireland. I'm joined by Stephen McPhillamy, who lives up in the north of Ireland in Derry. Stephen, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Rick. Merry Christmas. To you too, sir. Happy Christmas. And, and Irish, as we say, Nolog Hanna. Nolog Hanna. What Nol- does that mean? Nolog is Christmas, N-O-L-L-A-I-G. And Hanna, S-H-O-N-A, is Happy Christmas, Nolog Hanna. All right. Now, a, lot, a lot of young girls in Ireland would be called Nolog because they're born at Christmas time. A Christmas girl named Nolog. You live in Ulster in the north. Is there any a difference in the way people in the north of Ireland celebrate Christmas from people in the Republic of Ireland in the south? There would be a few big differences. Uh, one would be the religious profile in the north is completely different to the south, so that therefore, uh, you know, in the north, we're not all Catholic. The majority of the people would be Protestant, and you'd have uh, various types of Presbyterian, you'd have different types of Baptist, there'd be Anglicans, all sorts of different. And, and therefore, uh, those religious views would reflect the way they celebrate Christmas. Some can be very into big parties, and some can be very, very austere and somber. And not so, who are the big partiers at Christmas time, and who are the austere ones? Well, in the north, you see, we have a lot of teetotalers. There's a lot right. of people who abstain from alcohol, so they wouldn't be going to the pub scene. They wouldn't have like for a lot of the Protestant denominations in the north, particularly a, a group called the Free Presbyterians. Like they, they wouldn't be celebrating Christmas the way my family would be. No, going to the pub and so you're a Catholic it. family. You got no problem with going to mass and then going over to the pub and singing and having a pint. Uh, the only problem I have with that on Christmas Day is that the pubs are closed, so we can't get in. <laughs> it's very strict. It's real moral police stuff. If you're caught in a pub on Christmas Day, it's very serious repercussions. So In in Northern Ireland? In, or in, in the Republic of Ireland and in Northern Ireland, you right? can't get into the bars until until midnight that night. So Midnight on uh, the 25th? Yeah, uh, yeah. So then the bars can open because it's the 26th. You know. Is there somewhat of a festival at midnight on the 25th? Well, well what happens actually is that most places just stay closed because then some of them have to close at 12.30, you see. Oh, because like, that's the closing hour. Anyways. Well, that's one of the usual times I or some have to close it. So some, if you're desperate for a beer in a pub, you've got a little half-hour window if you find anybody that yeah, can open on just, the 26th. Yeah, so sometimes it can be a bit of a damp squib on, on the Christmas night because a lot of places aren't open, so... But there's what we call lock-ins, where there's a few little uh, rural pubs which will have a private party, only yeah. the back door Okay, is apart open. from the pub scene in Ireland, uh, if you think about quintessential Irish celebration, what's the basic calendar? Most people in Ireland still like to attend midnight service or midnight mass. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a real beautiful ceremony with lots of choir, lots of singing. In the cathedral where I go to, there's a lot of singing in Irish as well. A lot of the young kids are brought along from the, the school choir, and they'll sing beautiful little very simple little hymns to Jesus to celebrate his birth in the Gaelic language. And I could give you an example of one here. Uh, Isa is the Irish word for Jesus, I-O-S-A. Mm-hmm. And when, when we welcome someone to our homes at Christmas time, we said, Ced Mila Falcher. That means 100,000 welcomes. And this is a very simple little song. It's called Ced Mila Falcher Road a Isa, just 100,000 welcomes to Jesus. Uh, it goes like this. Ked me la falcha rota isa isa Ked me la falcha rota isa Ked me la falcha rota hanli hor Ked me la me la falcha rota isa isa so that would be the sort of a little town of Bethlehem for Irish children. Ah, we, we don't really have the, the regular hymns translated, you see, that we right. don't really... So, so in Gaelic, you wouldn't just do a direct translation from the ones that, no. that we we'd normally would Not usually, it. no. And in fact, so uh, invariably not. So we'd have other little ditties what, that we sing along. To, uh, so that, that would be uh, sort of a classic Christian sacred carol. Do you have the fun, lighthearted Santa Claus songs too in Gaelic? Uh, no. Any Christmas songs that we are singing in Gaelic are... Originals. What was your favorite one to sing at church on Christmas? I actually liked this one, Ked Mila Falterota Isa, just because it was so simple. It's a beautiful it, notion, yeah. Basically, we were all just standing there together in the choir saying, 100,000 welcomes Jesus, 100,000 welcomes Jesus, 100,000 welcomes Jesus. And, and, and <laughs> at just, midnight I, in your small yeah, town or your big city, whatever, it. with your community all together. I, and and uh, Christmas in Ulster, in my part of Ireland, had an extra resonance, and that was the violence stopped on Christmas Eve. And it continued. There was a truce that lasted through Christmas Day, and 
and in the Boxing Day or what we call St. Stephen's Day. I particularly liked St. Stephen's Day, of course, because it was my namesake. But uh, th- those three days... So that's the 25th, 26th, 27th? No, 24th, 25th and 26th. During that, there was a three-day ceasefire where it meant that nobody would would get killed. And of course, nobody should get killed at any time of the year. But that meant that at least we knew we could go to our churches Wow, so this safety. was an unwritten law that really held that the Protestants, Catholics, prone to violence, would just give it a rest here for Christmas. For, for three days. Probably just in the same way that the adversaries in, in the trenches of World War I did. On a smaller scale, we did the same in Ulster. And then, uh, sadly, uh, once Christmas was over, the killing would start again. But, but thankfully, that's in the past now, and we've come forward and progressed. That's something. So we have, we, now we have now we have Christmas all year round. That's a beautiful thing. Now, from a family celebration point of view, it's midnight mass, and then when's the big dinner? When do the gifts come? This sort of thing. Yeah, we'll uh, generally open our gifts on Christmas morning. Nothing's really allowed to be touched on Christmas Eve. Uh, we'll open them on Christmas morning and then we'll have a huge big dinner then in the uh, afternoon. If we're Protestants, we'll listen to the Queen's speech and if we're Catholics, we'll listen to the Pope's speech. Traditionally, the Queen comes on the TV and... The Queen, the Queen gives an address on Christmas Day and that's a big part of British heritage and in Northern Ireland, the Protestant community generally feel British and are ethnic British so they'll listen very proudly to the Queen's speech as she comes on and gives an address to her subjects and then the Catholics... Many of them will, if they're interested, tune in to listen to what the Pope's saying over in St. Peter's. And uh, when the Pope gives his address on Christmas Day, he does include a little sentence in the Irish language. So I used to tune in just to hear that one sentence, then I'd tune out again. <laughs> just to hear the Pope speak Gaelic. Aye, just to hear him hear one line. Wow. And our, our Christmas in Ireland is a very family-oriented thing. It's very different maybe to some other European cultures because so many immigrants are coming back and we have so many people abroad that they all want to get back for Christmas and Dublin Airport just collapses at Christmas time under the pressure of it. There's thousands upon thousands coming back. It's the only time we get to see our school friends is Christmas because my school friends live in New York or Boston or Sydney or Melbourne or Glasgow or London and the only time I can ever see them is around the Christmas festival. I'm speaking with Stephen McPhillamy who joins us from Ireland. We're talking about the Irish Christmas celebrations. Stephen, during holiday season, what sort of foods and drinks come to mind that are special for that part of the time of year? Well, in in Ireland, we're not very famous for our distinct foods, so Christmas dinner in Ireland is a very bland experience. Uh, I remember it's just one big, huge turkey sitting there with decorated with Brussels sprouts. <laughs> My mouth just dries up at, at memories of it. <laughs> one big turkey surrounded by Brussels sprouts. I'm not one to one for false modesty, but our, our Christmas dinners are not very exciting food-wise. Right. I couldn't wait to get it finished with to go into the room and party with my family with uh, Guinness and beers and whiskeys and just sit around telling stories and just, you know, re- reconnect from the year gone. The, the meal is never a highlight. No. I think the highlight for me, if I'm with an Irish family, is the crack. Yeah, definitely the crack that's going on afterwards. It's uh, a great And crack. during the meal, too. Which means conversation. Yeah, that's right. So really in Ireland, there's, there's no other days associated with Christmas. It really is the 24th and the 25th. Yeah. On St. Stephen's Day, uh, or Boxing Day, there are a lot of parts of the west coast of Ireland in particular that uh, have an old pagan tradition called hunting for the wren, where they all dress up in straw costumes and head off with fifes and flutes and they, they chase this little wren bird around their village. And um, for me, it's always been very interesting because... One day they're in cathedral celebrating the birth of Jesus and then next day they're staying loyal to the old pagan traditions too by going off dressing up as wicker men and chasing a little birdie. I think there's a lot of pagan uh, traditions that find their way into Christian celebrations with people not even realizing it. Yeah, that's definitely very true. Stephen McPhillamy, thanks for sharing with us a a little insight into Irish Christmas. Please just wish me and and all of our listeners uh, Merry Christmas once more in Gaelic. In Irish it's Nullug Hanna. And I wish you all happy Christmas all over the land of the free and uh, hope to see you in Ireland for Christmas sometime in the future. Thanks a lot, Stephen. You're very welcome. Nalag Hanna. Did I do it? Nalag Hanna. Absolutely right. All right. Slancha. From the Catholic traditions of Ireland, let's travel now just a little north of Rome, 
and we'll check in on Christmas with our friend Cecilia Botai at her family's winemaking estate near Orvieto. So, Cecilia, when we're thinking about Christmas in small-town Italy, how would it differ in Umbria in a small town from, say, Rome or Milano? Well, you know, everything is uh, still very local. There is much more the sense of the family. You start preparing food and events to meet your cousins, to meet their grandparents, their in-laws, which is also an attitude and a tradition in the big city, but it's more complicated. So they have more the sense of the family. Everybody's preparing something or invites people. They play cards a lot. Playing cards in the cards village. in the lot. home or in in the home. So uh, the cards is a very much a tradition at Christmas time. In um, what kind of cards? Scala 40, it's called scale 40, or burraco. It's another game we do. And are these the old men that get together, or the whole no, family? No, 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 the whole family, children, adults, everybody. All right, do and people... bingo, and bingo, and bingo. Yes, what's the, the tombola? Ita- what's the Italian word for bingo? Tombola, 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 and, and they do the, the tombolata. What would the prize be for the winner? Uh, little things like a candy, like a torrone or a panettone or uh, these little things. Nothing special. Now, you live in a beautiful farm across the canyon from Orvieto. Uh, tell me just very briefly the schedule for the Christmas festivities for your household. Well, normally we, in my family and most of the families in Italy, we celebrate the 24th of December with a family. We have a dinner with no meat. We have fish recipes. We have a lot of soups, which are lentil soups or uh, recipes from the past. So Christmas Eve is vegetarian? It's n- No, it's not vegetarian. It's no meat. And okay. this comes from the Christian tradition that says no meat because meat at the times of the Christians was the, the highlight in terms of food. While you had fish, because you, you there were fish that comes from fishermen people. Okay, big family dinner, no yeah. meat, Christmas no meat. Eve. What happens towards midnight on Christmas uh, Eve? We go to mass, mm-hmm. and then some families do open the gifts before mass. Some families do open the gifts after mass. Uh, after mass meaning late at night or the next late morning? at night means uh, oh, mass so is around ten thirty, eleven o'clock. You come midnight and you open the gifts that are located under the tree or under the nativity. And normally they have the tree. And the nativity in the houses. Now, the nativity is a big deal all over Italy. Yeah, the, the you have beautiful ones, yeah. And you, you, you really, almost every house, even people, if people are not very uh, religious, they do have the nativity in the house. Do you have a nativity scene that you put in a box until Christmas time? I do have a nativity, uh, a whole nativity. It's not just the Mary, Jesus, the donkey. I do have a whole landscape. I mean, it's, it's the shepherds. It's, it's a big, big, big... So what's the funniest little figure in your nativity scene? Oh, I have butchers, I have uh, carpenters, I have the waterfalls. And you know that in my farm we also have a chapel, so we have one also in the chapel. So we have two nativities, one in my mother's home and the other one is in the chapel. And you're quite close to Assisi, where I believe the first nativity scene ever was put together because St. Francis was a great teacher and he found it was easy to teach the story of Christmas with the visual aid of a nativity scene. Yeah, it's in Greccio. It's very close to Assisi and they they do live nativities there. So you have a poor woman staying there like uh, Mary, (laughs) really freezing. Shivering in the December (laughs) cold of an Italian mountain. for her with a donkey and the cow and a poor man who sent Joseph and uh, the baby normally is not uh, a real baby. They put like a... A doll. A a doll, yeah. But so they've got these real people shivering at midnight on Christmas Eve in a living nativity. Yes, they do. And are they all alone or are they appreciated? Are people coming out to see them? No, people come to see them. It's a tradition. It's a moment. Everybody feels good and nice at Christmas time. Maybe the next day it's hell again, but (laughs) Christmas, it's Christmas. It's something else. So the churches are full on Christmas, even if they're empty two weeks later. Well, you know the size of the Duomo for Vieto. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. It's gigantic. It's packed. Really? Really. And the big service is 10, 30, 11 o'clock? Uh, 11 Christmas, o'clock, yes. On Christmas Eve? Yes, on Christmas Eve. Are candlelights a big part candlelight, of that? Candlelights, the nice atmosphere. Okay, so now you've got your midnight mm-hmm. mass, basically. Yeah. Many people go home and open presents then. Yeah. And then uh, people are quite tired. It's been exciting. A lot mm-hmm. of family and relatives, a lot of work to set up for this. Yes. The next day, what happens? A- another meal with meat. Now you have meat. Of course, because it's the next day. And what kind of meat in uh, Umbria? We normally have lamb. Or turkey. These are the typical, and also the zampone, cotechino. It's a it's a pork recipe, which is uh, to be served with lentils. 
It's like a very big sausage of pork meat mixed with uh, the skin of the pork, which is tasty, in fact. I don't know if I can call it healthy or not because it has a lot of calories, but it's good. Now, when my mother makes a good Christmas uh, dinner for the whole family, if she does not have the cranberries there, people will say, hey, where are the cranberries? Mm-hmm. When you make a big Christmas dinner on Christmas Day yeah. and you forget to put something in, what would be uh, most missed? What would be expected to be there? Everything's there. We never miss anything. It's always the same. Uh, yes, uh, absolutely. You expect turkey. You, it depends on the family. Some family do have the turkey. Some family do have the lamb. Let's talk to your family. Yeah. Okay, Christmas Day. What does everybody lamb. know is going to be there? Lamb. lamb uh, kind of pasta. Then you have the vegetables, the lentils, then panettone, pandoro, torrone, pan pepato, uh, cantuccini. Uh, it sounds like a lot of sweets. Cantuccini yeah, is the cantuccini too, yes. And what then the ricciarelli. It's the, it's the cookies you call biscotti. You dip it in your wine. Yes. And then the uh, rich, rich... Ricciarelli, it's kind of uh, almond pastry. With the powdered sugar Yeah, with it. the powdered sugar on top, and it's an almond pastry. And they are originally from Siena, but very they're spread all, very popular all over the, the country. And the fruitcake, the fruit bread? Pan pepato. Pan pepato is from Umbria. It's a mix of uh, chocolate, hazelnuts, almonds, uh, pine nuts, pepper, sugar... Uh, so nobody's well, losing any weight on Christmas. I don't think so. <laughs> a lot of work, a lot of food, a lot of sweets. And then I understand the culmination is not until January 6th. Yeah, no, no, no. Till uh, January 6th is the Befana day, and this is where all the holidays uh, finishes. And that's the day the wise men brought the gifts to the baby Jesus, the 12th day of Christmas. Yes, yes. But if you're a child in Italy, that's the day the scary witch. Yeah, the scary witch, but she's not scary because she gives you a nice sock. And in the sock, you might have different things. If you did behave, you have all the sweets and candies. If you didn't behave, you might have some coal in it, which means you didn't behave properly. And I remember doing once a little joke to my grandma. I did put her the big sock with a big, big piece of coal in it, and she returned it to me with 50 euro. That was very nice. (laughs) Very nice. Now, when you go to the 1030 Mass on Christmas Eve, which hymn, which carol are you looking forward to? Which one do you enjoy singing? Well, we all sing Astro del Ciel. What is that? Astro del Ciel, Carmen Divin. Agnello protector. That's silent. That's silent night in Italian version. Beautiful. Can you wish our listeners right now who are getting quite excited about the culmination of the holiday season a Merry Christmas Italian style in your language? Allora, un buonissimo Natale. Uh, un felicissimo anno nuovo. E spero di trovarvi, di vedervi tutti presto in Italia. I'd like to say beautiful, but I didn't understand all of that. Uh, can okay. you translate? I wish you a very, a very Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and I normally say New Year's. Why should I limit it to one? And I wish you to see you all in Italy soon. Say that again in Italian, please. Uh, vi auguro un ottimo Natale, un magnifico anno nuovo, e spero di vedervi tutti presto in Italia. That's beautiful. Cecilia Botai from Umbria, just north of Rome. Merry Christmas to you as well. Thank you. <laughs> Up next, you might get inspired to add a little something extra to your New Year's traditions as we find out how friends from Sweden, Spain, Portugal, Croatia, Belgium, Wales, and Scotland cap their Christmas season and bring in the New Year. It doesn't take long after Christmas Eve to realize the end of the year is upon us. Right now on Travel with Rick Steves, let's find out how friends from different parts of Europe are getting ready to usher in the New Year. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. So we're talking New Year's Eve and celebrations and how to kick off the New Year. I'm joined by Marita Bergman, who comes to us from Stockholm in Sweden. Marita, Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year. How do you traditionally and typically celebrate the New Year in Stockholm and in Sweden? New Year, uh, that's an occasion for making party. Yeah. If uh, Christmas is uh, celebrated in the family, uh, New Year's is uh, celebrated with friends. With friends. Yeah. We, all, of course, organize a good meal. It uh, very, very often contains of seafood, crab, fish, uh, or something like that. Akavit? Uh, a lot of wine and champagne. Wine and champagne. Yeah. More than the traditional akavit Yeah. And vodka. M- uh, not so much akavit on New Year. It's wine and champagne. Okay. Bubble wine. How do you tell what's the New Year? What's coming? Is there a way to predict the future? 
Of course, if we look in the television and also talk with our friends, we are, are talking about the past year and uh, making up also new goals for the new year. And 12 o'clock when you uh, are going out seeing the firework, which is taking place all over, you shall predict your own new year by telling and promising wishes for the new year. And on the very first day of the year, Americans gather around with their families and watch parades on TV and watch the uh, football games. What do the Swedes do? Take a long morning before they take their strong coffee after a, a night celebration. You know, the Swedes drink very strong coffee. They need that, especially that day. They don't get together and don't eat a special thing on New Year's Day. Uh, but we have uh, other rituals. Uh, watching TV, there is always competitions in skiing going downhill. And then uh, is also the concert from Vienna, the New Year's concert from Vienna. Well, that's interesting. So all over Europe then, or in much of Europe, they would be celebrating it in a similar way, enjoying a traditional concert from Vienna. Yeah. And ski racing in the Alps with many nations participating. Yeah, uh, so we do that also in Scandinavia. With a good strong cup of coffee. Yeah. Feeling a little groggy after your last night's party. Uh, we need the coffee, yes. We need the coffee. Good New Year. Yeah, thank you so much. Good Year. Good Year. Good Year, yes. Marita Bergman from <laughs> Stockholm. Happy New Year. <laughs> okay, let's think about New Year's in Spain, I'm joined by a friend and fellow tour guide, Federico Garcia Barroso. New Year's Eve, midnight is approaching. What's going to go on? A big party, a big party for everybody. Let's go all together to Puerta del Sol, which is uh, Spain Times Square, and we'll have a big celebration. Local people, we have a very, very nice tradition, which is to eat 12 grapes at the same time that we are listening to those 12 chimes. Try to synchronize that, which is a little bit difficult sometimes, all right? And um, well, you finally succeed. You supposedly will have a, a very happy new year, health, money, and love, of course. All health, money, know. and love. So yeah. you're you're popping those grapes into your mm -hmm. mouth twelve times in mm -hmm. sync with the ringing of the clock mm -hmm. on the main square in Spain, with mm -hmm. thousands of people watching. Mm -hmm. All of the country tuned in on television. All the country, the whole country, watching the television and just enjoying that uh, moment, that specific moment of the twelve chimes, the twelve. Grapes, and it's coming actually also from another, <laughs> I would say, another historical reason. Uh, at the very end, the very end of the 1800s, there was an extra production of grapes all over Spain, and those wine producers they had to do something with those grapes, and they created that new tradition to eat grapes, you know, in New Year's Eve. And it stuck. And that's one way to get good luck, I guess, for the New Year. Are there any other ways to get good luck for the New Year? Well, red underwear. Red underwear? <laughs> yes, of course. You have some red underwear? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Do they work? That's in case. Yes, it works, yeah. <laughs> What's the craziest thing you've ever been involved in at midnight on New Year's Eve? I'm a good boy, you know. <laughs> I really, I'm really a good boy, you know. I wouldn't so just, be able to tell you. Just noise making and maybe kissing your partner, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just like all over the world. Federico Garcia Barroso, wish America a happy New Year in Spanish, would you please? Queridos amigos americanos y americanas, feliz año nuevo a todos. Feliz año nuevo. For everybody, a todos. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Gracias. <laughs> and let's celebrate New Year's in Portugal. I'm joined by Cristina Duarte. Cristina, thank you for being with us. Thank you, too. Happy New Year. How do you say Happy New Year in Portuguese? Uh, un bon ano. And if you were in Lisbon on midnight on New Year's Eve, what would happen? Uh, fireworks, of course. Huge fireworks. You want to go to the major places at the major squares and uh, either Commerce Square or in Belém area nearby the Belém Tower, they do huge fireworks because there is no bar open, no nothing about. So everybody steps and bring their own champagne bottle. And after a while, we are just sharing. So thousands of people gathering <laughs> yeah, exactly, in the main square exactly. with their own champagne With bottle. their own champagne we and say with their own raisins because you don't want to, to lose them. What's I a mean, raisin? Uh, a raisin is uh, something that you eat with the 12, the 12 um, kinds of uh, the bell. So you have so, a dried grape, and yes. you're going to eat this 12 times. Yeah, exactly, 12 times with 12 wishes. So sometimes it's kind of <laughs> so, it's so difficult. So to at midnight, you've got thousands of people on the main square yeah. with their bottle of champagne. champagne. And one, so 12, 12 raisins. <laughs> 
at the striking of the clock, 12 dong, yes, dong, 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 as they were, one, two, and make a wish, make a wish. So after the fifth, you don't know no longer what to wish for the year. <laughs> You've been enjoying your champagne. <laughs> yes. Now you got to remember your 12 wishes, you eat those raisins to celebrate the new year yes. in yes. Lisbon. That sounds like fun. Yeah, it's very, very fun. And afterward, most of these places, they have also concert music, so go on on until 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock. So it is a, a great uh, opportunity for the outsiders if they don't have an opportunity to go into a private party. They have these public areas that are wonderful. Okay, so on New Year's Eve, grab your champagne, grab your raisins, head off to the main square, bundle up, it's probably cold. Uh, yes, <laughs> Do us a favor. Wish our listeners in the United States a uh, Happy New Year from Portugal. Um bom e um próspero bom ano. And what did that mean? It is a good and healthy year. A good and healthy, healthy year. New Year. New Say year. that again slowly so I can hear your beautiful language. Um bom e próspero ano novo. A good and a prosperous, prosperous New, year. New Year. Obrigado. De nada. <laughs> Well, all over the world, people are revving it up in anticipation of the new year. They do that in Croatia, too. I'm joined by Marjan Kriskovic from Croatia. Marjan, New Year's Eve's coming up. What's going to happen in Zagreb, the capital of Croatia? Well, people are getting ready. They're just uh, relaxing after the heavy meals the Christmas holidays brought with them. And uh, they're going to replace the uh, more spiritual experience of Christmas and get ready for the big New Year's party with the fireworks. People gathering together. Is there a main square in, of in Zagreb? Of course. Trgbana Jelačića, the square of uh, Vajsero Jelačić, and that's where the main party goes on. And then what happens? People bring out uh, champagne, there are big fireworks with the square in the city, music, there is food, and of course at midnight everything goes crazy. Okay, that's the big party. Does everybody just collapse the next day, or are there family festivities on New Year's Day, or in America we all watch football or watch a parade on TV? What happens? On uh, New Year's Day, one of the memories that I always have connected with it is waking up the following morning, obviously a bit later, and you're waking up by the tunes of the uh, concert from Vienna. That's just something that I really always connect with it, and most people just tune into uh, the first program of Croatian television that has a live transmission from Vienna, a close connection to the Central European culture. And um, so you celebrate European culture on channel number one, Croatian <laughs> right. national yes. TV, listening to the Vienna Philharmonic. Yes. yes, and it's the perfect thing to do to relax, to uh, bring you back from the day <laughs> the living to life after a long, long night of partying. There is a sort of a, a funny reason you have gifts that are given on New Year's Day, actually, mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. Croatia. Mm -hmm. How do you manage to get gifts on New Year's Day when uh, most people just get them on Christmas? <laughs> Well, uh, in the past, in the uh, times of communist Yugoslavia, they tried to put the two holidays blend together in people's heads so they would replace Christmas with uh, New Year's. Oh, because the communists didn't want Christian holiday. Exactly. Okay, so you've got to keep the holiday. That's right. They want to put it in something more atheistic. Exactly. New Year's Day, is there some sort of a gift giver? What happened to Santa Claus? Yeah, uh, Santa Claus gets replaced as well. He's called uh, Died Mraz, which translates to Father Frost. Father Frost yes. comes on New Year's Day or New Year's night? He comes on New Year's night. Just, and do the children just, um, look forward to this? Oh, yes, of course. Which child doesn't look forward to presents? I know that in Croatia you celebrate St. Nicholas Day, December mm -hmm. 6th, mm -hmm. and you've got then Santa Claus coming on Christmas Eve. That's right. And you lucky Croatian kids get Father Frost yep. <laughs> on New Year's Day. And when you get together with all the family, all together, multi-generation, are there any traditional foods? I, I know you've got uh, sarma. Uh, yes, uh, especially after a lot of the heavy foods from the Christmas season you want uh, something to clear up your stomach, and uh, one of the good foods is sarma, which is basically these cabbage rolls filled with uh, mincemeat, cabbage soup, so something sour to bring out all that heavy food and alcohol. And so you're just... getting off on a better footing here. Exactly. You're, you're surviving the holidays, you're starting your new... Are you starting the year with resolutions to be sure that you are healthier or, or more thoughtful? Or... Of course, so... and they work usually just as little as they do anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking with Marjan Kriskovic. We're talking about New Year's celebrations in Croatia. Of course, if you're lucky enough to live in the capital city of Zagreb, you'll be there on the main square. Is it broadcast on television throughout yes, the country? Yes, yes, of course. Do they tune in to London or New York or Paris, or is it really just Croatian? First, it's just Croatian, and then uh, just immediately after midnight, they would show what was going on in the other European capital as well. Marjan Kriskovic, I imagine when you get together with your friends, you raise a toast for the new year in your beautiful language, Croatian. 
Can you share that with our listeners across the United States? New Year's is approaching. Give us a toast and a, and a New Year's greeting from your country, Croatia. Of course. Sretna nova godina, puno sreće i zdravlja u novoj godini. And in English, what would that be? Uh, happy New Year, all the luck and good health in the upcoming year. And then I can say, Bala? Yes, Bala. thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Maria. And Happy New Year to you, too. Thank you. We'll finish up in Scotland in just a moment. But first, with his roots firmly planted in his native Wales, Martin Delandovitz joins us for a peek at the uniquely Welsh way to celebrate the holidays. Should all acquaintance be forgot And never brought to mind Should all acquaintance be forgot For old lang syne Let's talk New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve coming up. Do the Welsh just uh, have the same traditions as the English, or how do you celebrate New Year's Eve in Wales? New Year's Eve in Wales nowadays is uh, much done the same as it is elsewhere. We tend to have the fireworks. Fireworks at midnight. Uh, London's got uh, the uh, Trafalgar Square activities. What is considered the cultural Trafalgar Square or Times Square of Wales? Is there something like that? You get it in Cardiff. Down on Cardiff Bay, you get fireworks. People tune into the television and watch the New Year in Cardiff? Yes, they do have it in Cardiff. Now, what's the drink of choice? Are people drinking wine or hard liquor or beer or what? Beer is the most popular drink, and, and, and sadly, I think so. The, beer was there was wassailing, uh, which in Wales, the blessing of orchards for fruit coming, and that was done in beer. The other one that customly got at New Year's in Wales was Kalenig or Klenig, uh, depending if you came Klenig in, in North Wales, influential, and Kalenig down in the South Wales, where groups of children would come to your house and, and you were supposed to give them money. They'd give. What would they do in return? Would they sing? Would they? They would. Uh, Poems, there would be some singing, uh, one of the old... Uh, Young can- people come door to door reading, right. reciting poetry, yes, so yes. Welsh. And then you, you give them a present? Yes. One of them is, Mi God dais heddiw mas om ti, and this is from South Wales. I'm cord am pastum gyda mi, a dyma neges arach traws, sef llanun cord ab arach haws. And what this is, is um, I got up early this morning, I got my stick and I got my bag and I came out and here's my message to you, fill my bag with bread and cheese. <laughs> fill my bag with bread and cheese. Would bread and cheese satisfy the kids these days? Well, no, I don't think so. Now, in the United States, we uh, dedicate the uh, first day of the year to overcoming the partying from the last night and watching a great football game. What's what's the activity on the first day of the year in Wales? You get New Year's rugby because rugby ah. is the game, particularly in South Wales, but again, traditions and played at Christmas uh, there was a game... New Year's called, Rugby. Is it sort of yeah. a, the big cup game then? Yeah. You, you get, on New Year's. It's, it's not the big cup games, but it's all over Christmas. On Boxing Day, the day after Christmas, and on New Year's Day, you get these rugby games. And in days gone by, and we're talking, ooh, certainly recorded in the 17th century, there was a game called Knappan, which approximated to rugby, but was played between whole villages. And there were was wow. horrible, bloody things, where all you had to do was get this thing from one village to the other one to win. And... Oh, dear, broken bones, head, throat. I love the way that every culture celebrates the holidays a different way, and every culture has its own way to wish someone a happy Christmas and a beautiful New Year. Wish me in Welsh a happy holiday. And specifically, what was that? That was Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thanks, Martin. Thank you. We The famous Robert Burns lyric for Old Lang Syne takes us to our last stop today as we anticipate the end of the year. Tour guides Anne Doig and Ken Hanley join us from Edinburgh. Thanks for being with us. You're very welcome. Thank Pleasure you for having us. Thanks Thanks for having Are us. you looking forward to New Year's in Edinburgh? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. How do you celebrate New Year's Eve in Edinburgh? Uh, very traditionally. I know we have what's said to be the biggest street party in the world, but, you know, if we're going for tradition, which I still do and Anne still does then you make sure the house is clean. (laughs) So the house, in other words, has got to be clean. And you make sure that you've got enough drink for your friends and things like that. People go first footing. And to go first footing properly, you have to have a piece of black coal, a wee piece of cake, and a wee bottle of whiskey. What's first footing? It goes, you go to friends, you just tap a door. You go visiting, and they're not going to turn you away. Absolutely not. And I think if your first footer, traditionally in Scotland, is tall, dark and handsome, that means that you're going to have a year of good luck.
It's quite interesting. It has to be dark. And I wonder if anyone knows why it has to be a dark mm. person, dark here. It dates back to the attacks by the Vikings, the blonde, tall Vikings. If you were blonde, you might be a threat. So it had to be a dark person. And you open at the strike of midnight, you open your front door and rush through and open the back door. So you're welcoming in the new year and letting the old year out. So there's all these traditions that we adhere to. <laughs> wow. Now, is there something that is like a countdown in, in Edinburgh? It's fireworks, really. Yeah. There's a big street party, you see, so they'll be counting down on the stage. There are entertainers and oh, bands yeah. playing. And then yeah. all of a sudden, there's an explosion of fireworks over Edinburgh Castle. With but the then backdrop. you get down with your neighbours and you open your front door. Absolutely. And you open the back door. Yeah. Yes. Total strangers can turn up at your door. And, and everyone's and, welcome. And everyone's welcome. And they come in and you offer a drink, you offer a piece of cake, you, you have a wee blether, you know, and then That's you move along. And a wee blether is a <laughs> wee little blether is a little top. <laughs> have a wee blether. And it then. sort of gets known in the community who's got open house. That's what happens. Okay. And if you've got open house, then everyone piles in to visit you. If you're in Scotland on New Year's Eve, it's just like one big open house. People are on the streets, they've got their coal and their drink and their cake, and they're going to yep. knock on a stranger's door and celebrate the New Year. Absolutely. We all sing uh, Old Lang Syne. Old Lang Syne. Yeah, yeah. yeah we that, do. That's oh. Scottish, isn't it? Yes. yes. Uh, Robert Burns. That's yeah. Robert Burns. What, yeah. what does that mean, Old Lang Syne? For the sake of Old Lang Syne. A lot of different interpretations. I would say for old friends, remembering, remembering. friends for, for friendship's sake. And you know the song. Sing the song for me. It's an uh, old sentimental yeah. uh, song, oh, you know. Acquaintance be forgotten, never brought to mind. Should old acquaintance be forgot for the sake of old Lang Syne? Now, here's the hand, my trusty friend, and here's the hand, oh mine. And it goes on. And, and you're all holding hands. It's this inbuilt thing in the Scots that, uh, you know, it's been great to see you. We don't want to see you go, but because you're going away, for the sake of old Lang Syne, keep that memory, keep everything, that heartfelt thing. So that's the, that's the punchline of the lyric is, for the sake, sake of, of old Lang Syne. The old, sign, the old good sake old of times. Yeah. Yes. For the sake of old Lang Syne, Happy New Year. <laughs> and happy, happy New Year. year all the best of you. Happy New Year, Rick Boyd. From executive producer Tim Tatton and assistant producer Sarah McCormick and all of us at Europe through the back door in Edmonds, Washington. All the best to you and yours for the new year. Where are the grapes? Let's pop 12 of those grapes quick. <laughs> and I'm glad I'm wearing my red underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Rick's weekly one-hour radio program, Travel with Rick Steves, airs in more than 130 cities across the country. Help yourself to free podcasts of past shows and Rick's audio tours of Europe's greatest sites in the radio section of our website. For the latest on Rick's radio and TV work, his guidebooks and his European tours with small groups, visit ricksteves.com.